nine of the Parkrun Adventurers. We have had a big weekend in the Parkrun world, so we're going to have another big episode. I'm Mel. I'm joined today by my co-host, Scotty. Scotty, say hi. Hi. And maybe we should just go straight to the news. Saturday, 1st of October 2016 was International Parkrun Day. Celebrating 12 years of parkrun, the combined achievements of parkrunners worldwide since the first step was run at Bushy Park Time Trial on the 2nd of October 2004 are nothing short of phenomenal. 120,005 events have been held worldwide by 214,866 volunteers. 1,803,794 parkrunners have spent 1,021 years, 360 days, 18 hours, 1 minute and 11 seconds, completing 90,172,633 kilometres. It was a weekend for world records. Nine-year-old Wynnum parkrunner Noah Carter ran a world record-breaking time at the Brisbane Roadrunners 15k club championship event on Sunday. Noah's 1 hour 6.23 is 7 minutes and 2 seconds faster than the current world record of 1 hour 13.27 set by Cameron Plate of the USA. In the Northern Hemisphere, Kenya's Shadrach Kibet Korea and Viola Jepchumba set new men and women's course records at the Cardiff Half Marathon in Wales. However, it was Cardiff Parkrun's own Michael Kallenberg who stole the show. Dressed as Robin, best known for being Batman's crime-fighting sidekick, Michael completed the 21.1k in a nifty 103.34, setting a world record for the fastest half-marathon run in a superhero costume. Event organisers at the 2016 Costa Kosciuszko 240km race have released the first round of offers to the participants for the prestigious invitational event. Several parkrunners have received confirmation of their inclusion in the starting lineup for the race, which will be held on the 5th of December this year. And reports have been received that the number of kilted parkrunners participating at Port Macquarie Parkrun has doubled in the last two weeks. We are unable to confirm whether wearing a kilt has performance-enhancing qualities when running. Lots of records being broken over the weekend, and... Um, Lots of celebrations happening for International Park Run Day. Twelve years ago, did you have a record-breaking International Park Run Day, Mel? I would say yes, I did. I got to see a record-breaking number of whales breaching from the lighthouse when I was running around the top at Kiwana Park Run. I may have increased my time by about five minutes while I stopped to watch them because they were breaching this week. It wasn't just the... You know, the spout of water going up from the blowholes. They were actually breaching and playing and got to love a bit of whale frolicking during park run. So there was no what PBs. What did you get up to? Oh, no no PBs in that respect. Not time PBs, no. Uh, me, I was, I was back at Studley. I was a run director at Studley. So it was nice that we were both at our home park runs for International Park Run Day. Um, I had a very chilled out day. We had a bring a friend and bring a plate day and sort of tried to encourage the community aspect of parkrun and it was lovely. For, for still a relatively new event, trying to get to know each other. Um, great morning, but it was terrible weather down here in Melbourne. And we're going to touch on that later in the pod today, how we all coped with the weather over the weekend. 
Um, but I'm guessing you're going to tell me it was fantastic up on the Sunshine Coast. Beautiful one day, perfect the next. What can I say? You can always come for a holiday. You know that. <laughs> Listen, someone who is on holiday but still working for the Parkrun Adventurers was our mate PK from our Channel 4 News crew. Uh, there's only one member of the Channel 4 News crew. Apart from us, we're on the news crew. And he did some fantastic reporting from the home of Parkrun at Bushy on Saturday. Got a bunch of interviews and finished up with the man himself, PSH. G'day there, Scott and Mel. It's PK, underscore PK, your uh, Channel 4 reporter, checking in from the home of Parkrun, Bushy Park. Yep, made it over here to the UK. It's a glorious sunny day here uh, in whatever suburb it is. We've uh, just been on the train here. We actually caught a train with um, some other random parkrunners and uh, then shared a cab cab here because uh, some bloke came up and he said, you going to parkrun? I'm like, you bet we are. Anyway, we're here, enough uh, rambling. I'm going to go and see if uh, I can meet a few people. Um, it's actually parkrun's... 12th birthday. Um, as uh, many of you know, the International Park Run Day is today, and uh, what a great place to celebrate it. So here we are, and I'll go and chat with a few people. Cheers. Well, that was pretty incredible. I'm not sure if I made any sense with the intro, because I was a little bit uh, dazed and confused, and a little bit, you know, fluttery being at the, 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 the birthday. Here, I can't even talk. <laughs> the birthday park run. Anyway, yep, this is PK. Um, just done the 5Ks. Bit of a typical English day. It's been beautiful. I've got Sally with me here, and it's a nice day for park run. Absolutely gorgeous. So the sun is shining brightly, and... Uh... <laughs> We're all, we're all in our shorts and T-shirts. It's fantastic. <laughs> we're definitely wearing shorts and T-shirts. Um, Sally, where's your um, home park run? Oh, well, I just run across the other side of the river, the, the River Thames at Kingston, uh, which is a lovely route. It's right along the, um, right along the towpath and um, round into some parkland behind. But um, I started my running at, uh, at Bushy Park, and as it's their birthday today, I thought I would join in. Fantastic. Well, certainly um, awesome day to come, being the uh, International Park Run Day. Just a few people here. I'm not sure how many they've got, but um, we'll have to ask one of the officials later. They're still going through the funnel. Um, for my first experience of the funnel, what a great um, great concept. I think you've got about 1,300 today. So, 1,300. Uh, now, wow. this, this gentleman is from South Australia, South Australia. and he's yeah. interviewing me. So, Indeed. come on, Ingrid, you can say a few words. Hi, Ingrid. I've got Ingrid here as well. Let's, I'm just having a look at her back, and, yep, that's 250 park runs. 300 today. Are you you're 300, 300 today. today. Congratulations. How about that? Well Mom, done, Ingrid. Mom Where, slug. <laughs> where's your um, home park run? Kingston upon Thames. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Some home park runners here. Yeah. Wow, what a great place to come. Yeah, Far it's a long out. way to come and do an anniversary, yeah. isn't well, it? Well, yeah, that's it. I, I, we came over Thursday. So, um, and well, when I knew I was coming, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just go and do the, the park run near where we're staying in Kensington. Yeah, but then yeah. I thought, no, nah, mate said, you've got to do Bushy. It's a famous tree. <laughs> oh, right. When you see the, the logo of, of park oh. run. Are you serious? The tree. This is the tree. Wow, we're standing right next to the tree. We changed the route of it. We used to go clockwise. Right. And it finished under the the tree. Fantastic. And then they had to change it, but they insisted on finishing at the tree still. I love it. Yeah, well, that tree is pretty important. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, signing off now. Um, And thank you so much to Sally and Ingrid. And thank you for um, a very special day here for International Park Run Day. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Over. Okay, and now I'm actually with Dan, the guy that I mentioned before that uh, uh, we met on the train, on the, on the tube. Uh, Dan, uh, how was your International Park Run Day? This was a great run. The location is beautiful, and there's a lot of energy coming from all the people here. Yeah, absolutely. I felt that as well. I, I, I was almost crying as I, as I took off, you know. It was very emotional, wasn't it? 
Yeah, and the, uh, the rain really added something. At first, when it started raining, I was concerned this is going to slow me down. But uh, when it's hitting your face at the end, it feels very nice. Yeah, it's very refreshing, so. isn't it? Okay, uh, would you believe it? I'm standing under the Park Run tree with not only the amazing man who started Park Run, but the man who started Park Run 12 years ago. That's right. Paul... Sinton Hewitt. That's correct. Hi, nice to be with you. How are you, Paul? Mel and Scott uh, would no doubt be uh, sending all their very best uh, happy birthday wishes to you. And thank you. Well, actually, thank you to the whole of Australia. I'm uh, so looking forward to spending about six months travelling through Australia, coming to each and every parkrun event. Really? Yeah, in the next year or so. Wow, that is brilliant. Well, you have to make sure you come um, come over to Adelaide or South Australia and come to the, the Mount Barker Park Run if you can, or, or one of the park runs in I'll Adelaide be, anyway. I'll, I'll be making an attempt to, to yes, go to course. every single park run. Wow, that is brilliant. Good on you. Well, thank you so much, and a good day today. How many people do you reckon you had here? It's about 1,200, I think, okay. at, uh, at this event. Fantastic, and a great way to celebrate. I just spoke to someone who did their 300th. <laughs> she, she was pretty stoked as someone. But um, the whole thing about it, I, I just felt very emotional, and I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of all the Parkrun Adventurers for creating this amazing thing that is very, a very simple and easy thing, but it's, it's, you've, you've certainly changed so many people's lives. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Actually, you know... My heart goes out to each and every Australian. I, I have an Australian passport, so I, I have a, a great affiliation for Australia. And um, especially to Tim Oberg and the team who, who get Australia running, and it's just brilliant. So thank you, and thank, thank you to every park runner out in Australia. Oh, well, thanks so much. Well, that's it. Not a bad way to finish uh, my uh, day here at uh, Bushy Park Run. Saying good day and thank you to the guy who started Park Run many years ago, 12 years ago now. All right, let's go and have a coffee. Thanks, Mel and Scott. PK from uh, the Park Run Adventurers Channel 4 news team signing out. Fantastic work there, PK. We love the efforts you put in. And despite having a bit of a fangirl moment there with PSH, which let's put it frankly, we probably all would, um, breaking some exciting news about him coming over to Australia for six months. I think I think there are going to be a lot of park runners out there keen to shake the hand of the man who made this all happen for us. I reckon he does a lot of handshaking and hugging. There was a lot of hugging over the weekend with the uh, football grand finals, but I wonder what PSH's hug quota is. Every there was Saturday hugging morning. with the what? With the football. Did you know there was a couple of games of football on the weekend? No, the only thing I noticed about the weekend was that Facebook feeds filled up with a lot of people saying, yay dogs, yay sharks, and it's just like, what's going on? Everybody's, everybody's keen for animals this weekend. Yep. But back to park run. PSH is coming out here. He's going to try and do every park run in six months. So obviously lots of freedom runs. Yes. I'd, are there enough? There, there would be enough days physically to do like a park run a day. In six months. He's going to be busy. Yes, no, there isn't. He's going to have to do more because 365 days a year, by the time he gets here, we'll have over 200 events. He's going to have to do two park runs some days. That is a very ambitious goal. What an adventure. We'll have to get him on the show to have a chat to us about it. Yep. We can guarantee that. No, we can't. Ooh, should, we, <laughs> should we guarantee it? Yeah. PSH, you, he'll come on. We've had some wild weather down my neck of the woods and over in South Australia over the weekend, so we thought we might 
check in on the South Australians and see how they're coping. So it's time to pay a visit to Victor Harbour Parkrun. And joining us are the two event directors, Shane and Simon. Welcome, lads. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. How are you? We're good. How are you? Did you guys survive after the big storm that knocked out half or all of your state last week? Um, yep, our, our path is still there. Um, we actually surveyed it Saturday morning. I set out and planned on going for a longer run. Got to the turnaround point, which was a fair section, about 50, 60 metres that was covered in mud. So rang, rang Simon and at one of our other event directors for the day and came down. We spent 40, 50 minutes cleaning the end up. Um, and that, of course, was pretty unscathed. So a couple of the other Adelaide Park runs were quite so lucky. They uh, would have required quite a much bigger uh, shovel to, <laughs> to clear their path. You would have you would have you would have been wearing your bathers. Yeah, it would have been parked Yeah, we saw some of the photos and saw some of the news. Um, and you guys are on the beach, correct? You guys are a coastal run along the water, so yeah, it must have been right. at least windy. Um, our, our actual day, parkrun morning, it was a beautiful morning. Like there was no breeze at all, um, and quite warm. So we got quite lucky with the actual morning, but the week prior it was. And even now, it's quite windy and rain, and all the rivers are flowing now. How, how did you get into parkrun? Um, I can't exactly remember. I remember just coming up across it on the web, just researching running at some stage, and then I found out there was one at Torrens. Um, so uh, it took me six months to eventually get to Torrens parkrun, and once I did, I was just was like, Wow, this is this is amazing! This concept, um, I love it. And um, came home, told Shane about it, saying how we should get this happening in Victor Harbour, thinking that um, that it wouldn't go any further. But of course, Shane had to go and tell everybody else that we're bringing Python to Victor Harbour. Once he told everybody, that's what we were doing. We had to uh, follow through. And um, so, what was that? Three years ago, and it's all come along. Great. Nothing like telling a whole bunch of people you're going to do something to make you accountable and actually follow through, is there? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I haven't learned my lesson yet. <laughs> so how have you found it then, building this community in Victor Harbour of park runners? Fantastic. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, various um, strangers that have come to park run prior to, to doing parkrun, I do a lot of triathlete, triathlons. Um, so found out a few other people were getting into it, triathlons, and they were using parkrun as their run. So we would go out, do a bike ride before parkrun. Then from there, that group has now grown and we have formed a Victor Harbour Triathlon Club. Um, just, just... A lot of those people are parkrun athletes and wanted to do something extra. So that's just one example of, of our parkrun athletes coming and, and, and wanting to do more together than just a Saturday morning. Um, and just uh, watching people improve over the last two years um, has been fantastic. It is good to see people come from walking to, what are they, you got any Ironmen 
in that triathlon club yet? Yeah, there's actually two um, people that I know of that have completed uh, an Ironman. Um, one of our Big Harbour Triathlon Club members has finished a couple. Wade Kruger, he finished Cairns this year and did quite well. And then we go even further with the running. Simon's a pretty well noted ultra marathon and somehow has convinced me to do my first ultra marathon this year. Um, and that a lot of that is just incorporating parkrun as, as your weekly one of your weekly runs. Not bad for a guy who hates running. Yeah. Crazy's in the water down here. That's going to be one of my next questions because triathlon, you know, requires you in the water and you don't usually get pools big enough to do the swim legs of triathlons. I'm pretty sure that South Australia has a lot of sharks. In fact, I saw um, there was a little dorsal fin on a map that was seen in a harbour. I don't know if it was your harbour, but it was it was down in South Australia. Do you ever see sharks from your course? Well, yeah. well the, the, the shark, the photo of a shark that you're referring to is actually where um, we, I do a lot of my training swims because we don't have a swimming pool in Victor Harbour yet. But I do a lot of my swims in that lake. And it's also where um, St. James holds two major triathlon events during the year in there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in November and March. But as far as seeing fins at our course, yeah, we see often we'll see lots and lots of dolphins swimming alongside the course, um, as well as seals out there as well. But as far as sharks, not yet. Yeah, that's the problem. You don't see them until they eat you. (laughs) So, boys, tell us about the course itself. It's a very flat out and back. It's got a couple of little rises, that, uh, especially in that last kilometre, that like to give you a bit of a bite in the legs um, when you don't really want it. Uh, it's got the, probably just looking outside right now, quite fairly known as the windiest park run in South Australia. But it's always a tailwind. Yeah. Which is great for an out-and-back course. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not true. It's always a headwind, both ways. That's usually my experience. I'm not sure tailwinds exist. Yeah, that, that, that's our experience, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's always a headwind. Um, at, the, at, the, um, at the turnaround mark, we are a bit protected by a few uh, hedges and bushes. Um, so it's a bit of a nice little uh, reprieve at the halfway mark, but it only lasts about 50 metres and then you're back into it. I was looking at some of the photos. It does look very pretty. I'm not sure whether it's the... What, what do you guys call it? The most beautiful park run in the world? Or I don't know if we call it that. It has been called that. <laughs> There's a few yeah, of those going around. That. It does look pretty. But one thing I also saw, someone's growing a beard. Is that you, Shane? Uh, that's, the, that's the ultra trail marathon beard. I hate it. My wife hates it. But apparently it makes you a faster trail runner. So, yeah, anything to train less. And I can, you know, it's... It, sit there and stroke the beard and I can log that as training. So a scientific test, because I want to do it as well. I had a beard for a while and was told to get rid of it. But has it made you run faster? That's all I want to know. On the trails, yeah. You got to, I think it only applies to trails, though. Huh. Um, so in, until we move the beach um, 20 metres to the left and put it back on the, on the beach... 
I don't know how we'll go at park run, but another another 19 days or so before it, it all comes off and I can stop all this crazy long-distance stuff. Now, gentlemen, you've also got uh, a park runner who is going to be un- undertaking quite an adventure early next year. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, we've got uh, Andrew Bizat, who's raising money for the Deborah Australia. They're an organisation um, that research, does research and support for people with... Um, oh, I'm going to get the name wrong. It's basically the butterfly children. These are people with very, very thin, uh, delicate skin. Um, it's a, as Andrew has explained it to me, it's, it's the worst disease you've never heard of. It's a very rare condition, um, it's, um, and it's, uh, it's, yeah, just really, really horrible condition. And Deborah does a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful work supporting them. So Andrew has concocted this plan to run from Adelaide to Brisbane which is where Deborah's, the organisation, is um, based. And along the way, he wants to raise $1 million for Deborah. Um, so Andrew's a, a regular park runner in Victor Harbour, um, regular supporter of us, and we're doing everything we can to support him as well, um, including we're um, going to start off a... Uh, we're going to use a, a half marathon is starting in Victor Harbour next year. Funnily enough, you know, you're... You start park run and then you uh, you start thinking about what else can I do? Because obviously I don't like having sleeping or a life outside of running. <laughs> you've you've got too much time on your hands if you've got time to sleep. That's right. Great, thanks for that. Well done on supporting it, and thanks for coming on the podcast this week and sharing the stories from Victor Harbour. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> Coming up very shortly, we are going to announce the winner of our Strava art contest. But we thought it would be cool to have a chat to someone from Strava itself. So joining us today is Simon Klima, Strava's Director of Local Marketing. Welcome to the pod, Simon. Ah, Thanks, Scotty. Thanks for having me. Strava, we are massive fans of Strava. But for those that don't know, if we do have any listeners, what exactly is Strava? So Strava is um, a social network for athletes place for you to um, record your your activities your runs your rides your swims um, and share them with your with your friends uh, through your Strava feed uh, and have that sort of camaraderie and motivation you get from uh, from yeah sharing sharing your activities and you can also give kudos to people they can give you kudos back which is Strava's equivalent of a like on Facebook so yeah it's a, it's a, it's essentially it's a social network for athletes. And how many members does Strava currently have, Simon? Ah, so it's a good question. Um, we don't actually give away the exact number. Uh, we have tens of millions of members globally, uh, and we add we add a million new members every forty-five to fifty days. But it's not it's not an exact number that we give out, really, just because we're we're growing so quickly that any number we do give out is almost instantly out of date. But yeah, we're. Um, we're growing quite nicely and say we have tens of millions of members globally uh, and we have around 8 million activities uploaded to, to Strava every single week. That's massive. Massive numbers. I didn't realise it was so high. 
Do you have a do you have figures on whether you have more runners or cyclists or skiers? In fact, because you've got so many categories. Yeah, so there are parts of the year when we have more run uploads than than ride. Um, what we tend to find is um, running is, is less seasonal than, than cycling. So um, actually, as I know, sort of, I'm talking from a northern hemisphere point of view. But as we as we go into sort of fall into uh, the fall season, we, we start to see sort of more more running than, than riding on the platform. So yeah, run is uh, run is a super healthy category for us. In fact, I've, I've got a got a stat for you here so uh, in 2016 so far there have been 470 million miles run um, by Strava members which is uh, it's almost 2,000 trips to the moon so yeah r- running running is a is a big part of big part of Strava that's an impressive stat nice nice <laughs> now um, Strava for a lot of people may not be aware has actually been in partnership with Parkrun for almost two years and there's functionality enabled for Parkrunners to link their Parkrun and Strava profiles. So for those who haven't already done it, what are the benefits to Parkrunners in doing this and linking their profiles to Strava? Yeah, it's um, that's right. It's been a partnership for a couple of years now, um, which we've you know been really proud to have. We think, we think Strava and Parkrun share a lot of the same values around um, you know, people being active and the whole community spirit and social um, value behind all of that. Um, and yeah, the the integration um, so far has, has been fairly light touch, to be honest. Um, the value of sort of linking your profiles is is pretty much just around sort of people being able to discover you on on Strava. So once you've linked your profiles, um, you may have noticed that. When the when the um, results pages appear on on the Parkrun platform, there's a little Strava icon next to your name if you if you have linked your profile, and that just enables people to to discover you on Strava and, and to follow you. Um, so it's it's been more about a sort of a, a social side of things. We are we are always working on, on ways that we can actually improve and, and add further benefits to Parkrunners. Uh, and over the next few weeks, there'll be some there'll be some exciting developments on that front. Um, can't go into too much detail right now, um, but it will become apparent soon. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's very much something that we're um, we're looking into and, and and just wanting to make sure that um, we provide the best experience possible to to Parkrunners. Can you give us a little preview of anything that might be coming up in the next couple of weeks? Just a little hint. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the the gist of it is we're we're going to be creating um, communities on on Strava for for all the all the parkruns. Um, I believe there's over 800 parkruns now globally. And we're going to be creating uh, communities for them using um, using our club function. And the Strava club function has actually been subject to quite a lot of improvements and changes recently. Now available on the mobile, which is a great step forward. Previously, only on Strava.com, but now the clubs are on, on, on mobile uh, and there's greater social functionality as well in, in regards of discussion forums and, and app mentions and, and that sort of thing. Um, so we are going to be providing um, homes for every single parkrun on the, on the Strava platform using the new club functionality. Sounds awesome. Are there any plans that Strava has for creating parkrun related challenges? So I know that, you know, at the beginning of a month, people can sign up for a, a 10K challenge or a half marathon challenge for a, partic- a particular month. Will there be parkrun related challenges that people can earn badges for? 
Um, we don't. We we currently don't have the facility to to run challenges in in that way. Um, but it's, there's you know there's nothing to say that we we won't do in the future. Um, I think self serve challenges is a is a great idea, um, and I think it's it's something that we talk about a lot. We have um, a real thing at Strava around sort of the noise of opportunity. There's so many different things that we could do, uh, and we do our best to listen to to our to our members to try and make sure we we do the, th the right things in the right order. Uh, and yeah, this is this is something that we we've heard a lot, and, and not just from Parkland, but from lots of other um, different sort of organisations and um, and bodies who, who want to you know who want to do their, their own challenges. So um, I think it's it's something that we'll we'll look to do in, in the future. Um, there's there's nothing sort of slated at the moment, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's an interesting one for us, and, and hopefully something that we can we can do going forward. Okay, Simon. So I have to confess to not, I mean, I am on Strava and my profile is linked, um, but I, I still struggle sometimes to get the, the run from my watch onto Strava just because I'm technologically backward. So I actually asked some friends what some of their common issues are or, you know, what might be nice to have. And one of them mentioned that... Um, Yes, she often pauses her Garmin and or sometimes the signal drops out when she's out on a run and she would like the ability to be able to edit her runs on Strava so she can either cut out those sections or she can join them. Is there any plan to create that kind of functionality in the future? Um, so you, you can already crop your activity on Strava.com. It's... I guess it's it's a it's an interesting one. So GPS is is never sort of a hundred percent accurate. Um, I guess we have to just accept that from the start. Um, so it's there's it's likely it's likely that there there may be some sort of dropout and 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 sort of inconsistencies with GPS data, and that that kind of happens. Um, I think as well with um, with the devices, um, it's hard for us to sort of have a very strong position because so many people use lots of different devices and, and, and it's hard for us to influence exactly sort of how, how they work. We're, we're very much sort of the, the software side, if you like. Um, what I would recommend is that maybe um, people put, uh, auto pause on um, rather than manually pausing it. Maybe that would help. Um, and try using, the, try using the Strava app as well. Um, we find the app is incredibly reliable. Um, so if people are struggling with their, with their devices, maybe they can give that a go and, and they maybe get better results that way. I'm a big fan of the auto-pause. Don't, you don't need to pause your watches. Strava takes care of all that, um, which is fantastic. But one thing I'd like to see is the ability to remove some kudos. I've been caught out a couple of times giving some people some kudos for going for a bike ride. Are we going to be able to do that in the future? Take back our kudos? Um. I, I don't. I don't think that's on. Uh, that's on our agenda at the moment. It's interesting that that's uh, that's become an issue for you, Scotty. What 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 made you want to re withdraw that kudos? Well, sometimes I just I'm giving so much kudos, and then I just get carried away, and someone's gone for a bike ride, and I think, oh, if only I could take I that think, back. I think that's only a positive. <laughs> I think that's only a positive thing. You gave someone kudos, you made them happy. They take it away. <laughs> This is true. What about the flybys? That's the other feature that I love of Strava. Are we going to see any advancements with the flybys? I think, you know, with everything, we once we launch it, we, we don't just sort of 
leave it there. We try and iterate and improve on things all the time. So Flyby is, um, is actually still a beta project. Um, so it's, it's still it's still very much being worked on um, and still just, just on Strava.com at the moment. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what the what the engagement and the use is like usage is like from our members and again as I've sort of alluded to before if, if, if our members sort of you know, re, you know show a sort of positive signs that they really like this feature then it's something that we will we will invest in um, but yeah we think it's great and it's it's particularly fun looking at flybys for park runs um, I think the, the the visualizations that they provide are, are really interesting um, just to see how the how the field performs I agree I encourage our listeners if they haven't to use the flyby specifically for park run. One thing it does highlight is how fast some of the people take off as their little dot flies away from you. And, and, how, and how well they maintain that pace as well. Exactly. It's interesting. Yeah. But yeah. You can see where the hills are because the dot slows yeah. down. I know um, some people who use the flybys actually to track down other Strava users who either cut them off on their mountain bikes while they were riding or doing dangerous things. So it's also able to be used for passive stalking. I'm sure that wasn't its original intention. <laughs> no, not, not, not necessarily. Um, I guess uh, what I hear a lot of is, um, is people use it as a, as a way of building up their community and you know they they find people who they've sort of ridden with on a on a trail and then they can identify who they are on Strava and they can start following each other which just sort of adds adds to the social experience. That's how I hear that flybys is used a lot of the time. Do you know you 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 would be the best place to know I think because you're from marketing. Do you have any background on the history of the hashtag Strava Prove It? Because it's very prevalent amongst my running friends that you know if if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen, basically. And um, was that something that came from you guys and your marketing department, or you know, did early adopters of Strava coin coin it themselves? Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good question. It, um, it came it came from Strava. It was, um, it was an, an, an internal thing. Uh, we're we're a company of, of runners and, and cyclists, and. Um, the, the prove it line is is was a way you know for people to prove that you're training, prove your sort of performance, your PRs, your improvements, and that was just a line that sort of encapsulated that, uh, which was you know it was right at the time. Um, it's a few years old now. Um, so Strava's grown as a as a social network for athletes. I think we've become slightly more broad and diverse community. Um, and you may have seen the latest campaign, which is Strive. Uh, which improves the celebration of performance over a whole sort of variety of, of different levels. Um, and within Strive, we featured real Strava members. Um, so it's a, it a real sort of community community film. There were, there were no actors in there. It was just uh, just great sort of Strava Strava members. So yes, um, prove it was something that um, came out of came out of Strava, um, and it's great that people people still use it. Um, and as I say, we we sort of, we've moved away from that a little bit, and we have this different campaign now. Strive it sort of reflects who we are now, um, but it's it's still great to hear that people are using it. And I also hear it's not on Strava; it didn't happen, um, which is which is quite a fun way of putting it as well. Uh, and it's just it's just great to hear that the the community sort of see see Strava as part of their day to day active lives. Definitely, the um the word Strava is actually um it, it means strive, doesn't it? It means strive in Swedish. That's right. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of our co-founders, Michael Horvath, is uh, is Swedish, and um, 
yeah, so I, I believe that's uh, that's where the name came from uh, through him. Um, so yeah, um, pure translation from uh, from strive to to strava in Swedish. Great word, very empowering. Yeah. Now before we let you go, Simon, what's your park run experience? Where's your home park run? Um, so mine is uh, Ashton Court um, in Bristol. Previously, I, I fairly recently moved here. Previously, it was uh, it was the Crane Park Run in in Twickenham uh, when I lived there, uh, and I've also done the Bushy Park Run a few times, uh, and a few of the other sort of West London ones as well. So um, yeah, I've I've, I've I've done a few, and I'm looking forward to doing the the Chrissy Fields Park Run in in San Francisco um, in a couple of weeks' time. I'm um, I'm back out in San Francisco, which is where the Strava headquarters are, um, and there's the uh, there's a Christie Field Park run there, which I believe is going from strength to strength. So I'm looking forward to to trying that one. Yeah, we always see lots of photos of our friends at Christie Field. It's very popular. Looks like a great park run. I think so. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a stunning backdrop. Um, pretty amazing location. Um, a, a little bit different to the to the Ashton Court one in, in Bristol that, um, <laughs> that I'm used to. So that'll be, a, that'll be a cool one to do. Thanks for coming on, Simon. We really, as we said earlier, massive fans of Strava. So to be able to talk to someone from HQ, it's been a real treat. No problem. Thank you for having me. Joining us now on the pod are two ladies who participated in our Strava art contest, Connie and Tina. Tell us a little bit about the background to how you went about your Strava art adventure and did you actually run it together? Yes, we did. We ran it together and we had uh, the kids helping us uh, marking out where we were to run. Uh, So it was quite well planned and perfectly executed. So you had the kids marking out, so you, you made them stand places, so or they actually had cones? They had cones, and we made them stand places, but then they did move some of the cones, but, you know, <laughs> you improvise. So it sounds like a real team effort. What Was there much planning, or what was the motivation behind having a go at it? Well, well motivation was winning. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we are a little bit competitive, so <laughs> when I heard about the competition on the podcast, I was sort of like, oh yeah, that'd be interesting to have a go at, and then when I saw the uh, the logo come up and the first few attempts, I was like, surely we can do better than this, come on, we can do this. So uh, yeah, we put together a plan and uh, carried it off. <laughs> Did you just have the one attempt? No, I had a couple of attempts uh, probably a few days earlier, actually the last day of the original deadline, I think. Um, but it was a bit rushed and I was really a bit sore after Sydney Marathon. So that one didn't come out so well. So I had a few days to think about it. Um, and then Connie came and gave me a hand the second time, which was always our original plan anyway, that she'd come and help me. So works better as a team. And so was the motivation winning and winning the prizes... Did you, did you have a preference for either option P or option A? Oh, how could you not want to win a costume piece designed by Mal? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was the crown and the jewel. Absolutely. <laughs> Obviously not as impressed by my certificates, but I can understand. Well, uh, I have high hopes for your certificates too, Scotty, so I'm really hoping that we do, do win this. 
Was there any interest in option P? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fairly decisive. You you don't like the mystery boxes? It's it's just too much (laughs) risk-taking. We're really happy that you chose option A because... Congratulations, Tina and Connie. You are our winners of our Strava Up Contest. That's awesome. Go Central Lakes. It was a great effort. You won for accuracy. (laughs) Accuracy. Well, yeah. The the first trial I had, the the leaves were a bit too small. So (laughs) we had the leaves bigger. And the size matters. Size is important. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You can have a perfect circle, but if your tree is all wonky, it's not going to win. That's it. That's right. No, you did a great job, ladies. We were very, very impressed. And as we said in the podcast last week, it was very difficult to decide, uh, which is why we deferred to people other than ourselves. (laughs) Now, one thing we haven't factored in, we've got two winners, Mel. two of us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do have two winners. Well, I think we're just going to have to make them fight over the DVDs, who gets which. But I'm sure, um, I, I don't know, do you think you could design two certificates, Scotty? Two different ones? I think I probably could. If you're prepared to design two costume accessories. <laughs> I can do that. Awesome. It might, it might take a little while. <laughs> <laughs> What was the other prize? I can't remember what the other prize was. Polo shirt. shirt. You'll have to share that. One week on, one week off. (laughs) We can give it to our next park runner of the month or something. That's really cool. Thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome. Thanks for for participating in the challenge. No problem. It's park run. We look forward to the next one. A couple of weeks ago, you may remember, we asked you to fill out a survey for us, and we thought it might be interesting to go through some of those results and share them with you. Would you be interested in hearing those results, Mel? I love surveys. I I love questions and and people answering them and and the kind of random stuff that you don't expect to see happening. So yes, let's do that. No surprising that the majority of our listeners come from Victoria. Yes. Well, no, that's not exactly true. The majority of listeners who are willing to do surveys come from Victoria. So you're already spinning it. This is the other thing you can do with surveys. You can spin <laughs> the results to whichever way you want them to. Well, no, it's not, it's not about spin. It's about understanding that it's only a, a portion of the people that listen. And, yeah. But that is interesting, Victoria. And Queensland was our second most listened state. Might have something to do with the fact that I'm from Victoria and you're from Queensland. You think? Maybe. I don't know. Because I'm pretty sure none of my friends listen. (laughs) I'm not sure if I have any friends left. (laughs) But it's also interesting we have more international listeners than we do in the Northern Territory. Which is not surprising because the world is a lot bigger than the Northern Territory. But still. Once again, people are listening to us in the Northern Territory, but it's possible that they do not have time to answer a survey that a link has been shared to on Facebook. 
So let's let's not diss the Northern Territorians just just yet. So how do we want to address this moving forward? The fact that they don't answer surveys. Maybe we need to go up there and I don't know do a campaign. The other question we asked, one of one of the other questions we asked, was the your favourite type of courses. I was interested in this, and as both of us being territory directors, when we're planning new park runs, it's always good to get some feedback over what are the more popular type of courses. And coming out in front, very closely though, were the out and backs, which surprised me a little. Yeah, literally only by 1% though, the out and backs, over the single loops. Multiple loops, not a, not a fan with our listeners who completed the survey. Yeah, I don't know. It might just be because of the social aspect. Out and backs. I mean, but once again, like single loops, you don't have that social aspect. And they were pretty, it was neck and neck. So, yeah, maybe we need to refine the questions next time. Well, I did say it was going to mean annual perlustration. So maybe next year's questions will be a bit different. One of the other questions that we had was asking whether or not our listeners had ever volunteered. And happily, the majority of you said yes with 53% saying yes, you had volunteered and 47% saying no. So there's an adventure for a lot of you out there waiting to happen. I reckon that's a great result. And I reckon, I'd be curious if we asked that question at the start of the year, what the response would have been. iTunes was the winner. Most people listen to us on iTunes. So if you are, don't be afraid about giving us a review. Remember, we love those reviews. Haven't had one for a while. Only the good ones though. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Um, and I love that one person is listening to us on Stitcher. So fantastic. Thumbs up for Stitcher there. Just the one listener. Do you know what Stitcher is? I don't. <laughs> and that's probably why there's only one person who listens to us on it. We're on Stitcher. I didn't, I didn't even know we were on Stitcher, so yep. go us. We're servicing our one listener. <laughs> Here was a good one. What do people feel is the ideal length for the podcast? Now, we, we've had various comments of feedback over the last seven months or so. Nine months. Oh, my goodness. We're in, we're in October now. We've, been, oh, we've had a podcast going for nine months. That's crazy. I digress. Yes, we've had <laughs> many comments about different lengths. You know, some people saying, oh, I can't quite fit it onto my commute if it's this long or it needs to go longer for my long runs. Um turns out the majority would like the podcast to be at 60 minutes length with um, not too far behind the 45 minute time frame being optimal. So as per most of these questions in the survey, Scotty and I are just going to continue doing whatever we want to anyway. No, we're not. It's good <laughs> so you'll, you'll get what you're given. <laughs> yeah, but not, not a lot of love for the uh, short or the overly long podcast, so... No. I reckon that's well, the there's... direction we're going to be taking it. Now to the curly question um, number seven that we asked. We asked, to, we asked you to rate our segments, which was mostly positive, which is great. Most of you are liking what we're doing, and most of you really like the guest interviews, and it was good to see um, the ED interviews get a big tick of approval, um, which makes us happy too, because we like hearing about all the events around the country, and good to hear that you guys do too. Yeah, there's a couple of mess and it kind of sucks. But, you know, not sure how we can improve on those. Well, it's always hard 
not to focus on the negative. And yes, we did get a couple of um, bad reviews for some segments, but they were vastly outweighed by the um, positive. So there you go. Question eight was, since listening to the pod, are you more inclined to adventure to other park runs? Pretty much most of you were already adventurers, which is awesome. But not far behind that were a whole bunch of people who said yes, which is great. We love the fact that we're encouraging more adventures. The next question I put in specifically for you, Mel, do you participate in fancy dress when you attend park run, anniversary, special events, etc.? 90% of you do. Sometimes or always. But you know what? It doesn't matter about the 10% who never do because everyone is welcome to participate in Parkrun in whichever way they deem the most fun. And if you don't want to get dressed up, that's absolutely okay too. Do you know what I'm a sometimes? I don't actually always do fancy dress either. So there's no pressure at all to do it. And the final question we asked was probably the most important. I would say so, definitely. This was basically me asking, are you on Team Mel or are you on Team Scott? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not about people. It's about people having taste in movies or what that taste is. And it turns out the majority of you don't have much of a taste, that you do find <laughs> a Princess Bride funny with a not-so-resounding 59% saying it was funny. Sounds like a little bit of sour grapes there, Scotty. I just I, I don't know how 59% of you thought that was funny. I'll still need to go back and watch it and maybe someone explain every time there's a joke and when I'm supposed to laugh. That's okay. Not everybody has to get everything. A sense of humour is different for everybody. Some people don't have them. That's just the way the world is. So that's a wrap from our Feedback from our survey, from our illustration for this year. We will do it again next year. Thank you to everyone who participated. We love getting all those responses and, and seeing what the segments were and how, how our listeners were broken up. So that's a wrap on the survey, illustration for this year. Um, before we wrap up the podcast this week, we've got a couple of things to look at, mainly the launches. We have one launch this week in Galston, New South Wales. I'm guessing you have no idea where Galston is, Mel? It's in New South Wales. Correct. Could be Galston, but I reckon it's Galston. So they're launching this week. Do we have any anniversaries and where's the cake going to be? We do. There should be, well, there's certainly going to be an anniversary. Whether or not there's cake, I cannot confirm. However, Berwick Springs in Victoria are celebrating their third anniversary. Hamilton in Victoria are celebrating their first. And Kalgoorlie Boulder in WA are celebrating their third. Mel, you have a wonderful week. You too, Scotty. We'll do it all again next week. <laughs>